The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. series right now called Bridges, and we're talking about the relationships of our life because we're all in relationships, aren't we? We have different relationships. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about relationships. We got relationships with people, employers, employees, uh, school, teachers. All, there's all these different relationships in our life, and we have these, and since we have them, we're, we're looking at how to understand them, how, how to, to walk in them in a greater way according to what the Word of God has to say. Because uh, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. God hasn't brought us into these relationships just so we could be on our own. He has direction for us. So we can look at the Word of God and discover what it is that He's saying. And it's interesting because, you know, we're calling this series Bridges. And we're talking about how our relationships can be bridges. Bridges that connect us to God. Bridges that connect other people to God. And when you really start to think about it, our, our relationships really are a lot like bridges. They really are. Uh, relationships like bridges have to be built intentionally. Right? Bridges don't just like appear. <laughs> Someone has to build those. I mean, uh, you know, I guess a log can fall across a valley, but that bridge isn't really built to, to stand up against all the trials and things of life. Like it's going to erode, it's going to fall apart. And in the same way, our relationships sometimes can, can do that. They can erode, they can fall apart. Um, relationships like bridges can be weakened by stress and, and sometimes uh, need to be reinforced. Um, relationships can break down from neglect. They can break down from, from problems that we face in this world. So relationships and, and, and are like bridges. And, and so what we're doing is we're looking at how we can connect with God and so that we can have the right kind of relationships. And really, that's where it starts. And that's why last week we began this series by talking about our relationship with God that's accessible because of the bridge of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth, and he was our intercessor. He made a way. Intercessor means that, that he brought God's way and our way into connection, so that now, through him, we can jump over the chasm of sin, and we can connect with a holy, perfect God, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. That's good news, right? That's the gospel. And so we can connect with God, and listen, that's where it starts. If you don't have that relationship right, none of the other relationships in your life are going to work. If you're not connected to God, if you're not connected to him like you're supposed to be, you can try all you want, but your other relationships will not work. It just ain't going to happen. Uh, in fact, I was reading yesterday, the Bible was talking about, uh, Jesus was talking about how you've got to abide in the vine, right? That we are, that he is the vine, we're the branches, we produce fruit, but without him we can do no thing, nothing. That if we're going to produce the fruit that we, we want to produce, we have to be connected to God. We've got to be connected to the vine, as a branch, we got to be connected. And, and sometimes I think we want to have the kind of relationships we want to have. We see this idea of, of relationships, but since we're not connected to God the right way, we're not producing the fruit that we can produce. So that's where it starts. We got to be connected to Jesus Christ so that we can connect with God. That's where it all begins. So in fact, I encourage you, if you missed last week, to go back and, and, and make sure you listen to that message because it is, it is extremely foundational to where we're going in the rest of this series. And today I want to talk to you about how to build relationships that can endure, how to, how, to, how to have relationships built on the right foundation. And I want to show you a model of relationship that we can model our relationships after. Okay, so um, when I first got started in ministry, I got started doing graphic design. 
And uh, at 18 years old, I graduated high school. I stepped into ministry kind of in a way, but I was a graphic designer. So I created branding pieces and brochures and, and logos and did all this different kind of graphic design elements for my church. And in the process of, of learning that craft, I, I learned a lot of things. And one of the things I learned, because see, you got to understand something, art doesn't just happen. Like there's a process to art. Any kind of good art, there's a science, there's mathematics, there's all sorts of stuff that goes along with it. And one of the things I learned was this, this phrase, and here it is, form follows function. Form follows function. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Form follows function. I'm calling this message this morning, form follows function. Now, here's what that means, form follows function. As a designer, when you're creating something, the form that you are creating has to support the, the function of what it's being created for. Now, maybe you're confused. Let me, let me try to explain this a little bit, okay? Let's say that you came to me and you asked me to design you a chair, all right? And you said, I, I would say, okay, what kind of chair do you want? And so you said, well, I want a chair that I can take to the beach and that I can relax on, that I can lean back and relax and enjoy the beach and even take naps on this, on this chair. Anybody that sound good to you right now on a cold day like today? Okay, so if you told me to, to design you a chair like this, I'm not going to design you a chair like this, Right? Now, I don't know what you think of this chair, but this is actually, uh, this chair was designed by a guy named Frank Lloyd Wright. He's one of the, actually considered to be one of the great architects in American history. I've studied him, I've read things about him, watched documentaries on him. Dude was crazy, but he was, he was an incredible architect and incredible designer. And this chair is actually, uh, this is funny, but it's actually considered to be on the top 10 list, one of the top 10 chairs of all time. I think it's number eight, which is funny to me. That just sounds like the, the top 10 chairs. It sounds like something that Ron Swanson would be into. <laughs> Parks and Re- Okay, anyways. So you look at it and it's, you know, I mean, it's okay. But actually, if you, if you zoom in, you can't really tell here, but there's some pretty incredible detail to this chair. And the reason it's one of the top 10 is because there's been a lot of chairs that were modeled in the same fashion as this chair. So it's a, it's a great chair. It's beautiful, well-designed, but here's the problem. It doesn't support the function of going to the beach, right? And relaxing and taking a nap at the beach. The form doesn't follow that function. So I'm not going to design that kind of chair. If, I'm, if you're going to the beach, this is the kind of chair I'm going to design. This can go to the beach. This can, can deal with the sand. This you can relax on. This you can chill. You can take a nap on this kind of chair. The form follows the function. You guys follow me this morning? Say amen. amen. Okay, so, so here's the thing. If the, if the form and the function don't work together then it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't sit well. <laughs> it, doesn't, it just doesn't work. Something feels off. Now, here's what you have to understand. God is a great designer, right? In fact, he's not just a great designer. He is the great designer. Like God is the, you look at the world around us that we live in, the world that God created, and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, all of the different forms that God has created, the trees and the mountains and the canyons and plant life and animal life and oceans and the sky and the colors, everything is just, it's beautiful. But here's the thing, because God is the great designer, he doesn't just create these beautiful forms that look good, but he creates these forms that function perfectly together with each other, that support each other. 
I mean, you, you watch any you know, documentary on Netflix about wildlife and stuff, and you're going to see some amazing things about how these, all these things flow together. In fact, I, I wrote this little sentence this week. This bird eats these bugs off this animal that protects this bird from that prey, which fertilizes this ground so that plant can grow this leaf that shades those animals which dig these holes that protect that bird that eats, that bugs, that eats those bugs off that first animal. Thank you very much. But stuff like that happens. Like this is how the world works because God understands this form follows function thing. In fact, we live on a world right now that is spinning at a perfect rate with a moon going around it while we orbit the sun. And all of this is working in this perfect orbital dance that if one thing was off by just a little bit, life on this earth ceases to exist. It's as if we serve a God who gets it. Form follows function, right? Turn to the person beside you and say, form follows function. And so when God created us, he created us as these forms, but he created us with a function, right? He created us to, to live a certain way. And, and when God created us, here's what you have to understand. When God created you, he created his masterpiece. The Bible says that, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. There it is. No matter what you feel like today, no matter how your week went this week, uh, you're, you're a masterpiece. And here's why. Because you're made in the image of God. God created you to look like him. God created you to connect with him. And, and, and realize this, you are a living example of the form of God on this earth. When you walk around, you, exe- you, you exemplify the form of God. But remember, God's not just a great designer. He's the great designer. So if he created you to, to look like him in form, understand what that means. He created you to live like him in function. And that's what we see in the beginning, in the, in the Garden of Eden. We've got Adam and Eve, and they're set into this garden, in this perfect place that God's created for them. And they are functioning in, in, in perfect form and function with God. They're connected to God. They're connected to each other. Everything's right. They've got rule and reign and authority. God's given them authority to, to, to control this world. Everything's under their feet, and they're in control of it. And yet, what do they do? They sin, right? And they mess up, and they disobey God. A perfectly good, loving God who's for them. They, they sin against him. And, and before you get too aggravated with them, realize that we've all done the same thing. We've all turned our back on a loving God. We've sinned. We've done things we shouldn't have done. But Jesus came and he died on the cross. He, he came to this earth and he put on flesh and he became a part of his creation, went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead. And in doing so, here's what he did. He gave us back everything we lost in the garden. He gave us back the ability to have a relationship with God like he wanted us to have. He gave us that ability. He gave us back the ability to walk in the authority that he has. Remember, he says, I've been given all authority and I give it to you. We have this authority to rule and reign. And yet sometimes we don't walk in it, do we? We have areas of our life where we struggle, like in our relationships. Where we struggle and things aren't going the way they should. And it just, it doesn't fit right, right? It doesn't sit well. Something's just a little bit off. And I would argue with you today that I believe part of the reason why we don't experience some of what God wants us to experience in our relationships is because we don't understand our form. We don't recognize our form like we should. And we don't understand from our form how we can function in relationship like we should. You guys follow me? Uh, for, so, so God wants us to see this the right way. Um, let me say it like this. A, a screwdriver, like a Phillips head screwdriver, it's a great tool, right? 
If you want to tighten a screw, you want to loosen a screw, man, that's a great tool. But if you want to drive in a nail or pull out a nail, screwdriver can be very frustrating. Why? Because that's not what it was designed for. A hammer is a great tool if you're pulling out nails, driving in nails. But if you need to tighten a screw, loosen a screw, fix your watch, you're going to get pretty frustrated with a hammer. Here's my point. What if because we don't understand how we were designed, we're trying to do things outside of our design and that's what's causing us all this heartache and frustration? What, what if we're, we're operating outside of our purpose? And because we're outside of our purpose, it's frustrating, it's difficult, it leads to injury and pain in our relationships the way they're supposed to be. I believe that that's a big part of the problem. The Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I think sometimes what really hurts us in relationships is we just don't know how to do it. So today I want to look at this this idea of form follows function and look at maybe what we're missing that may be keeping us from some of the relational things that God wants us to experience. Okay, so if you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start by looking at the creation of man in the Garden of Eden, how God created him. And in this verse, it's super interesting because God is creating mankind and we kind of get, like, it's like the curtain is pulled back and we get to kind of see uh, the conversation that was taking place when God was creating Adam and Eve. And, and in this, we, we learn a lot about who we are, about our form and our function. Look at this with me. Genesis 1, chapter 26 says this, then God said, let us, everybody say us, us. let us make man, now man there could be better translated as mankind. So let us make mankind in our, everybody say our. Our. Let us make man in our image, okay? So notice those two words, us and our. Let let us make man in our image. Notice God doesn't say, I'm gonna make man in my image. He doesn't say that. He says, let us make man in our image. It is plural, not singular, right? Why is this? Well, because the God that we serve is not a singular God. He is a plural God. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are all God, and God is one, and yet he exists in these three different different individual persons. Uh, The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all are individuals, and yet they have have individual roles, individual purposes, or not purposes, but yeah, roles. But they function as one, and they function as one in such a way that they are completely unified as one. Okay, so, so here's what I want you to see. That's the image you were created in. That's the form that you were created in. And the form you were created in, the image that you were created in, is the image of God, and it's a relational image. A triune relational image. You guys follow me? Okay, I know this is deep, but just stick with me, okay? So what we see here is you were designed for relationship. You were designed to be connected and to function in a triune relationship. Now what happens? God creates Adam, he sets him in the garden, and then God looks at this a little bit later, and he says, this ain't good. God's looking at everything. Every, after he creates everything, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And he looks at man in the garden, and he says, it's not good. Now, think about this. Adam has been set in the garden in a perfect place. There's no sin in the world at this time. It's a perfect place. Animals are there. Everything's in place. He has a perfect relationship with God. Remember, he's never sinned. Perfect connection to God. God looks at that and says, it's not good. Why is it not good? Because he's not functioning in the image he was created to function in. He's not in a triune image. There's not a third relational connection in his relationship. Even though he's connected to God because he's not connected to other people, it's not good. 
to, here's what I want you to see. God hasn't just called you to just be connected to him. God's called you to be connected in relationship with other people. God hasn't called you to be isolated. God wants you to be connected. Now, that first relationship is extremely important. That relationship with God is extremely important. In fact, there's a reason that before God creates Eve, he, he has Adam in the garden with him because it shows us this thing that God can, man can survive with just a relationship with God. But it's not best. It's not good. But see, that relationship's got to be there. Now, I got this glove with me this morning. And this glove is made in the image of a hand, right? Right? Okay, so glove is made in the image of a hand. And, and, and so, but, but a glove is lifeless unless a hand is in it. But when you put a hand into it, anybody think about OJ right now? <laughs> Elephant in the room, right? Okay, but when you put a, a hand into it, what happens? Well, now the glove has life in it, doesn't it? It can move, it can do things. It comes alive. Outside of that connection, it, it's made in the image of a hand, but outside of, of what it's supposed to have, it, it's lifeless, right? In the same way, you were made in the image of God because God wanted to come and live inside of you and bring life to you, bring life to your form. That's what God's called. And if you don't have that, man, you, you cannot have relationships the right way. If that ain't working, ain't none of the other relationships gonna work. You have to be connected to God. But beyond that, then you have to be connected to other people. If you're going to walk in a trying relationship, you have to be connected to other people in relationship, but in the right kind of relationship. It's got to be a godly relationship. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I want to look at uh, this relationship that we were created from, the relationship that we see in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look at this relationship, and I want to draw some parallels from what we see in them that we can apply to our life that will help us to operate and function from the form we were created for. All right, so if you're taking notes, uh, I've got three points for you this morning, three things that we can learn from the Trinity that we can apply to our relationships. Here's the first one. The Trinity is unified in purpose and vision. Unified in purpose and vision. God is a God of unity. We see that thread all through Scripture. In fact, when, 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 God, uh, when God takes a couple and, and they are joined together in holy matrimony, when they get married, a, a miracle takes place. The Bible talks about this, that, that two people become one flesh, that we're joined together with another individual, and God sees us as one. See, God's about unification. He's about unifying, uniting, bringing people together, unity. The devil huh, is just the opposite. The devil, one of his great schemes and tactics in this world is to divide and conquer, to isolate, to separate. The Bible says he's seeking whom he can devour, and it's easier for him to devour someone who is isolated, who is alone. So he will work to divide you. He will work to bring division to your relationship, to disconnect you from God. Listen, he is fighting you daily to disconnect you from God, to get you lackadaisical in your relationship with God, to get you so blessed that you step away from the goodness of God. He's trying to divide you. He, he wants to divide you against good godly relationships, people that he's brought into your life that are there to sharpen you and help you to grow stronger. He wants to divide you, help you to find things to, to get angry and aggravated and disappointed with. He's looking to do that. He wants to divide you against yourself. You ever look in the mirror and looked at yourself and something starts talking to you saying, you're a loser, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. How can you keep messing up like you do? That's the voice of the enemy. He's dividing you against yourself. He's isolating you, pulling you away from relationship. He, is, he wants to divide you. Here, God wants to take two, make them one. 
The enemy wants to take the one and divide them against himself. So we can't allow that to happen. A big thing that we see in in the relationship that we're built from is unification. And and unity, understand this, this unity uh, is is what we're, we're to be unified in our purpose and our vision. That's what God wants for us. To have a unified purpose and vision in the relationships that we're in. And what we see in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is they are, they are individual persons with individual personalities and roles, but they all serve one purpose, one vision. Let me, let me try to illustrate this for you this morning, okay? I want you to imagine a construction project. Let's say this. Let's say we're going to build a new mall, all right? In order to build a new mall, there are lots of different people that step in to help that mall be built. The first person is uh, the architect. Someone has to sit down and write out the plan for the mall, what it's going to look like, where things are going to go, what the measurements are, all that different stuff. They make the plan. The second person comes in, and they are the purchaser. They're the person that's going to purchase the materials. They're going to purchase the land. They're going to sign the contracts and the deeds that allow for for this, this building, this mall, to be built. And then you have the third person that comes in and they are the builder. They come along and they take all the materials. They, they go on the land that we, they have permission, that they have the ability to work on. They have the authority to work on and they build what needs to be built that the, that the planner had all along. So what we see here is there are three different roles, right? But they're all functioning for one purpose, building them all. You guys follow me? Okay, so let's apply that idea to the Trinity and how the Trinity works. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let's apply it specifically to the plan of salvation. Because in the plan of salvation, we see all three people from the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity involved in that. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, The Father is the planner. He's the one that came up with the plan of salvation. Jesus is, is the, uh, the builder. I'm sorry, Jesus is the purchaser. Jesus came to this earth... And he purchased salvation for us. He died on the cross and made a way. He signed contracts in his blood that made it possible for us to step into the authority. He won back what was lost by mankind so that the plan could begin to unfold. And then we have the Holy Spirit, and he is the builder. And what he does is he comes along, and he takes the materials that God has won and purchased. He takes the rights that are there, and he begins to work to build what God wanted built in us all along. You guys follow me? This is the plan of salvation. And they all have different roles, but they're all functioning for one purpose, to get one thing done, and that is saving fallen man from sin. And and, and this is what we see. Now, my question to you, that's the model you were created from. That's the form that you were created from, a form that is united in vision and purpose. My question for you is, in your relationships, specifically those close relationships of your life, are you united in vision and purpose? Have you ever sat down with some of these people that you're close to and said, hey, where are we going? Where, where are you going with this? Because this is where I want to go. If you've got some relationships in your life that just aren't fitting right now, maybe, maybe you both have a wrong goal in mind. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you have the wrong target. Because if you do, if you both are going in different directions, but you're not really sure, then that's going to lead to some problems. They're going to go good. The Bible says this in Amos 3.3. 3. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Let me ask you, can they? No, they can't. I, we, you can't set off to, to walk together but say, we're going to walk together, but I'm going to go over here and you're going to go over here. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? You can't do that. And I think sometimes that's how we're walking through life in our relationships. We're not, we don't know where we're going, so we're not going together. Here, here's another verse. The Bible says this in... Uh, 
2 Corinthians 6, 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now that verse is just, it's not just the verse that you quote when it's like telling your kids, hey, don't play around with that sinner. Like that's, that's, you can use that that way, I guess, if you want. But it's really not about that, okay? We need to have relationships with people who are lost so we can connect them to Jesus. But, but what I want you to see in this is this idea of being unequally yoked with someone in a relationship, now, here's what that means. To be unequally yoked means this. Uh, a yoke was this big wooden bar that would connect two beasts of burden like oxen together. Uh, it would connect them to each other, but it would also connect them to the burden that they were pulling, be it a plow or a wagon or whatever it is that they're pulling. Now, an unequally yoked uh, team would be a team where one of the oxen was bigger or stronger than the other one. And so what happens is, as they begin to pull, because they're, they're not equally yoked together, one of them is going to be pulling harder than the other one. And because they're not equally yoked together, they're actually going to be pulling in different directions, and they're not going to be able to, to draw a straight line. They're going to always be kind of pulling to one side. It's like when your car's out of alignment, it's pulling in the wrong direction. That's what happens. And so what happens is, if your car's out of alignment and you're driving around, you just hit the gas pedal, let it go, you're just going to go in circles. And this is what happens. You're, you're going nowhere. And in fact, those two that are yoked unequally, actually because they're, they're not just ones pulling harder, they're actually pulling against each other. Because the one that's stronger isn't just pulling the burden, he's having to pull along the weaker one. So here's what I want you to see. If you're in relationships with people and you're not going in the same direction and you're unequally yoked, you're not going to go anywhere. And that relationship is going to wear you out and bring disaster to your life. Are you going in the same direction? Have you ever thought about this? Are you, do you have a goal in mind? Do you have a purpose in mind for your relationship? Now, what is that purpose? What is, what is the goal in our relationships? Well, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all. Everybody say all. All, all is all, right? All means everything else. We're seeking God first. Everything else, all is added unto us. So that's the goal. And understand this, that's the goal of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are united in the purpose and the goal of bringing the kingdom of God into every person, into every relationship, into this world. So that's what Jesus, when he told us, taught us how to pray, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are kingdom, me and you are people who, because of Jesus Christ, the kingdom is in us. And God wants us to release the kingdom of God into the world around us. And that needs to be our goal in relationships. Are your relationships building the kingdom of God? Do you have a goal in mind? If you sat down with some of the people that you're in relationship with and you said, hey, is your goal to build the kingdom of God? Would they say yes? Here's some questions we need to, need to ask ourselves. If we're going to be functioning in a relationship the way God created us to function, in a unified relationship, the form we were created from functions unified in vision and purpose. And that's what we need to fight for in our relationships. Here's number two. The second thing that we got to learn is we got to strive for in our relationships, your relationships need to be unified in honor. Need to be unified in honor. The Bible has a lot to say about honor. In fact, there are 147 verses in the Bible about honor, with the word honor. But the, the idea of honor is woven the thread of honor is through scripture. I mean, it's countless how many times we see honor in scripture. Honor is a big deal to God, and it's a powerful thing in your life. And the reason it's so powerful in our life 
is because of the foundation it is built on. And the foundation it's built on is the honor that we see expressed through the Trinity. You start to read scripture, it's, it's, it's almost comical, like how much God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how much they are, it's like they're going out of their way to, to honor the other person. It's like it's this challenge to see who can honor the other one the most. It's, it's really cool. And, and, and that, but that's what we're called to do. And if you look at, at God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you're going to see this everywhere. Think about Jesus. Jesus would, people would come up to him and they'd say, by what authority are you doing this? Or how can you speak this way? And what did he say? I only do what I see the Father do, pointing glory back to God. Jesus said this in, in John uh, 8 verse 54. He said, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But he said, but it is that my Father who will glorify me. What's he doing? He's... Once again, give the glory to God. The glory goes to God. We see God honoring Jesus in Scripture. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him a name above every name. Matthew or Mark chapter 3 verse 28, we see God honoring the Holy Spirit. Look what he says here. This is amazing. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. And so you know, blasphemy is dishonor. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who, look at this, blasphemes, dishonors, the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Like this is God saying, hey, don't mess with my boy, right? Like you, you, don't, you don't dishonor the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Treading on some dangerous ground there. And then we have the Holy Spirit and he comes along. And what does he do? He's, he's pointing people to Jesus. He's pointing people to God. He's bringing us to, towards salvation. That's a, the major part of his role so we have Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit all honoring each other, all pointing to, to this honor for each other. God is a God of honor. And he invites us to participate in this powerful thing in our relationships. He invites us to walk in honor with the people that we're in relationship with. Look at this. Romans 12 verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Look at this other translation. It says, same verse, different translation. Outdo one another in showing honor. And that's what we see in the Trinity. It's like they're trying to outdo one another in their expressions of honor. Honor is central to the unified relationship that we see in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it needs to be central to your life as well. So the question is, are you honoring relationships that you're in like you should? This is something that God's been... God's been dealing with me about a lot over the last couple of months is just what it looks like to honor people that we're in relationship with. Uh, for example, the Bible says that we're to honor our father and mother, right? Parents, we know this verse. You're a parent, you know this verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Like I can't tell you how many times I've quoted that verse. I can't tell you how many times I heard that verse growing up. That's a big one. But here's the idea. As a child, Growing up, you're to obey your parents in the Lord, right? That's when your parents are functioning in, in the Lord. But there comes a time that that part of your life transitions. But you know what doesn't transition is honor. Honor your father and mother. You're to honor them. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, you don't know my parents. My parents were not very honorable. The Bible says, you know, you show honor to who honors do, and they're not due honor. Yeah, but, and, and listen, I can't relate to that. I really can't. I, I had incredible parents. I had amazing parents. I, I can't imagine having better parents than I had growing up and, and still have to this day. They're, they're incredible people. So I can't relate to the person in here who was maybe abused, who was 
had parents that spoke terrible things over you, who, who beat you, who said things about you that you still carry to this day. I, I can't relate to that. But the word of God says you're to honor them. Now, now listen, I'm not saying that you have to put up with abuse. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to necessarily accept them. If they were abusive, if they were wrong and they treated you poor, I'm not saying you have to invite them back into your life. You have to invite them into your home when you protect your family and you protect yourself. Amen? Amen. But in the middle of that, I think we got to ask God, how do we honor them anyways? How do we, even though they didn't treat me right, how do I continue to honor them in a godly way but still protect myself and protect my family? I think that's a question we gotta, we got to wrestle with a little bit. That's between you and God. But understand this, when you obey God, you honor God. And when God tells you to honor other people and you do it, you're honoring God. And God will take care of you for that. Here's another thing the Bible tells us. It says that we're to honor kings and those in authority. What does that look like today? Presidents, government officials. Uh-oh, it's getting political. And I'm not trying to take a platform. Listen, I don't agree with everything that we see happening in the government. I don't agree with everything that political parties do by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm called to honor them. And my question for you is, with your Facebook posts, with all these things that you do, here's my question for you. Anytime that you come out and gripe and call, call people out for what they've done, my question, are you praying for them? Do you ever pray for the president? Or do you just gripe about him? I heard somebody say this one time. They said, if you don't vote, you have no right to gripe about what happens with the elected officials. And that's a good point. Like, we have the ability to vote. That's a great gift that, that we have in our government. We can vote. We can, we can let our voice be heard. But as a Christian, understand, you have another great gift. It's called prayer Amen. that God has given you that changes things. Do you believe that? Yeah. You're, you're upset with the president? Why don't you pray for him? For real. Ask God to minister to him. Ask God to, the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened, that he would see things. You're upset with government officials? Pray for them. If you're not praying for them, quit griping about them. Amen? Here's another one. Do I honor my friends like I should? I, I, I'm a guy. I'm a dude. And I, I grew up playing sports and in locker rooms. And, you know, I got buddies. And we tend to get together and we razz each other and we rag on each other and we, we act... Like you can, all of a sudden, I can be 38 years old, but I can turn into a 13-year-old really quickly. <laughs> My wife knows this well, but it happens. And we get in, I get in these situations where we start, you know, we're not literally popping each other with a towel anymore, but we kind of are with our words and we're sarcastic and we're joking around. And, and God, a couple months ago, just kind of came to me and was just like, hey, don't cross a line there. Show honor. I think we need to be aware of this. My point is this. You're never going to go wrong with honor. You're never going to go wrong with honor. And when you honor those that God has placed in your life, whether they deserve it or not, you're honoring God. And when you do that, you open yourself up to the blessings that God's called you to have and to the relationships that God's called you to have. We need to be unified in our honor. You guys getting anything out of this? Okay, good. Here's number three. The third thing we can learn from the Trinity, if we want to have relationships Based from the function of the form that we were created from, we need to have relationships that are unified in glory. Unified in glory. John 14, 15, 16, 17 are, are four chapters, and they're called the farewell discourse. 
And Jesus in these chapters is getting ready to go to the cross. He has just had the last supper with his disciples in Jerusalem. And uh, he's talking to 11 of his 12 disciples at this time. And it's 11 of the 12 because one of them, Judas, has left. And he is in the process of betraying the Son of God. And so the wheels are in motion for the crucifixion. But what we see in it is God, Jesus, pointing to how he wants to help his people and how he wants to glorify his Father. Look at this with me. This is John 16. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, who's the third member of the Trinity. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now look at this. This is really cool. He will bring me glory. Notice the Holy Spirit, part of his purpose is to bring glory to Jesus Christ by telling you whatever he receives from me. So he's, what's, what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's, he's, he's glorifying Jesus, and he's telling people what he heard from, from Jesus. Now look what it says next in verse 15. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay, here's what Jesus just did. He said, hey, I'm going to be going away, but I'm, gonna, I'm sending you a helper who's the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to lead you into all truth. And what you hear from him, you can trust because he's hearing it from me. And then he says this, and what you're hearing from him, that you're hearing from me, I'm hearing from God. What is he saying? He's pointing everything to God. He's saying to God be the glory. That's what he's saying there. Now you jump over another chapter, John chapter 17, and we have Jesus continuing. the same conversation, 14, 15, 16, 17, same conversation. But here we have Jesus, and he goes into this prayer. John 17, this prayer. Now this is Jesus getting ready to go to the cross to die for the sins of mankind. People understand, please understand, he knows what he's up against. He knows how bad this is going to be. He knows what he's going to face. And he prays this prayer. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. See what he does there? All glory to you, God. For you have given him authority over everyone. Notice where the authority comes from, pointing to God. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way you have eternal life. Look at this, to know God. That's what we're all about here at New Song Church. The only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. Who, who sent him? Jesus sent, or God sent him. I brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I'm, I'm just doing what you told me to do. All glory to you, God. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. What do we see over and over again? To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Then verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me. Now this is, okay, lean in with me this morning. This is, this is what I want you to see. I just want you to get this. This is big, okay? What, what, look what he says here. I have given them the glory you have given me. He's talking about us. He's talking about Christians. I'm giving, I'm giving this to them. I'm giving them the glory. Look what it says. So they may be one. Everybody say One. Unified, right? They can be unified. As we are unified, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am in them and you are in me. Now look at this. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Here's what Jesus says. I pray, God, that they would experience this connection with you this relationship unified with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and unified with each other as believers in such a way that people would see their relationships and they would see God in it. Yeah. 
See, here, here's the big idea. Because, because unity in relationship is a picture of the image of God. When you're walking in unity the way God's called you to in your relationships, people see God. This is why this is such a big deal. This is why God wants your relationships to be strong. He wants them to be strong because he loves you, but he also knows how powerful they can be to the world around you. People can see your relationships. They can see how you walk with God and how you walk in unity with other people because that's not normal. It's not normal to have what we can have with God. But they'll see that and they'll go, God's in that. It's an it's a example of the triune God in this world. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all about bringing glory to each other, which means because they're God, it's about bringing glory to God. And our relationships need to be the same way. Unified in relationship to bring glory to God. That's what we're all about. Are your relationships about bringing glory to God? And the relationships you're in, are, are, you, are you about bringing glory to God? In, in your dating relationship, can you look at your dating relationship and say, it's glorifying God? In, in your work relationships, can you look at how you conduct yourself in business, how you work with the other people that you work with and say, yeah, they can see God in that. In your marriage, are you glorifying God in how you speak to your spouse and how you speak about your spouse and how you serve your spouse? Can people look at that and say, that, that's, I see God in that. And people look at how you raise your kids and they say, I see God in that. Can people see God in your relationships? If not, the good news is they can if you're just willing to surrender them to God and allow him to help you. He wants to help you. He wants to help you walk in the relationship he's called you to. See, here, here's, here's the big idea. God wants you to have relationships connected to him and connected to each other. And here's what happens. People see that and it builds a bridge. Yeah. Talking about bridges, right? Your relationship is so unified that it builds a bridge that people see and it, that bridge leads them to Jesus. Yeah. And then Jesus, who is our great intercessor, when they're led to him, they're led to God and to connection with God. Me and you can be bridges. We can be bridges. We can build bridges in our relationship and we can be bridges to the world. That's what God has called us to do. It's a powerful thing. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. It says, and whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever, whatever you do or say, do it for the glory of God. Relationships are a big deal, right? Right? Relationships are a big deal. In fact, I was thinking about this this week. And I got this weird little phrase that I thought of. The entire population of the world, with one exception, is made up of other people. Let that sink in for a minute. You getting it? Here's the point. Everybody's other people. Right? And, but, so we need to have the right kind of relationships because other people need Jesus. So we need to connect these people like we should. We need to be intentional to connect in our relationships, to go after the right kind of relationships. You know, that's one of the reasons why here at New Song Church, we push groups like we do. We want you to be connected in these godly relationships because we know how powerful it can be for your life. So that's why we say, get in a group because we understand that it's impossible to live the right kind of life with the wrong kind of relationships. You need the right relationships in your life and you gotta, you gotta go after that because your destiny is tied to your relationships. So we, we gotta be intentional with this. It's not just gonna happen. It's got to be something we go after. It's got to be something that we're building. We're building in our life. We're building with the power of God in our life. That's what's so great about it. We're not called to build on our own. We have a builder with us. 
His name is the Holy Spirit who wants to empower you and help you to build what God's called you to build. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the custom of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It says they're not giving up meeting together. That word meeting there is from the Greek word that, that actually means meeting for a spiritual purpose. You need relationships in your life where you're spurring each other on. You're doing good deeds. You're meeting together for spiritual purposes. Get in a group. Get in a group. But before any of that can take place, you've got to be connected to God. You need a relationship with God. Just like this glove, you were made in the image of, well, this glove wasn't made in the image of God, but you were made in the image of God. This glove was made in the image of a hand. And when a hand comes into it, life comes into it. And it comes alive. But outside of that, it can't do anything. The Bible says, apart from me, you can do no thing. Right? But what does it also say? It says that through Jesus Christ, you can do all things. We've got to be connected to God. That's where it starts. That's where life comes from. Before you can have good relationships, you've got to be connected to God. And then once you get connected to God, as you connect in relationship with other people... You connect in a godly way. You connect from form follows function. You were made in the form of the triune being God. And you function best operating from that form. Unified in purpose and vision. Unified in honor and unified in glory. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Just take a moment right there where you are. This is, a, this is the moment in the service where we just kind of allow God to talk to us and speak to us and reflect on the word. And, and when I say, what's the Holy Spirit saying to, to you today? Maybe you're new to church. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, what do you feel like God is saying to you right now? Remember the Holy Spirit is God? And, and maybe you're, you're still, that still doesn't make sense to you. Let me say it like this. What are you thinking right now? Because that's how, that's how God talks to you. He he speaks to you spirit to spirit, and your spirit interprets that in your soul, and it sounds like you most of the time. It doesn't sound like a booming voice from heaven. It just sounds like you. So what do you feel like, what do you feel like God's saying to you today? Maybe you're here today, and you feel like God's saying, hey, I want to be a part of your relationships. I want to I help you. I want to be with you. I want to empower you to have the right kind of relationships. Maybe you're here today, and you feel like God's saying, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. Maybe you've drifted from your relationship with God. Maybe you've been saved, but you've drifted. You've allowed the circumstances of this world, you've allowed problems in this world to pull you away from God. You've even allowed blessings to pull you away from God. If that's you today, just take a moment and just, just get real with the Lord. I encourage you to, to pray this week and invite God into your life and allow him to, to minister to you. Lord, I thank you for all these people that are here today. I thank you, God, that we serve a good God, a loving God, Jesus, you made possible that we could have life in you, and we're grateful for that, Lord. Help us to, to be relational bridges that connect people to Jesus. Help us, Lord, to, to have relationships that are strong, that people see our relationships, and they see God. They see God in this world. They see the image of God in this world, and these triune relationships we have with you and with other people. Lord, help us to walk with you and to walk with others the way you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.